e-commerce gold is brought to you by rewind accidents happen maybe you installed an app and it messed up your theme or a store collaborator deleted product images by mistake it's a common myth that shopify has a backup that you can use when something goes wrong with your store the fact is they don't that's untrue that myth is busted so what do you do you use rewind to equip your shopify store with automated backups Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. It's trusted by over 100,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Nix, Lord & Taylor, and Moomin. It's even a Shopify Plus certified app. Best of all, visit rewind.com forward slash e-commerce gold and get your first month for absolutely nothing free on us. Econ Gold Podcast has partnered with Clearco to provide you with financial tools to grow your business without having to give away equity. Clearco is the world's largest e-commerce investor and growth platform, giving founders the financial tools, capital and network they need to grow. Plug in your Shopify store and your loan could be agreed within just 24 hours. Visit clear.co slash partner slash Vixxr, V-I-X-X-R, for exclusive deals, £1,000 off your first loan as a podcast listener and more information. This show is brought to you in collaboration with Vixxr, a leading Shopify agency with a mission to grow and migrate brands to Shopify Plus. They've worked with some of the world's largest brands and can help you level up your e-commerce performance. Visit vixxr.com, V-I-X-X-R.com for more information. Caleb, thank you so much for joining us today on the Ecom Gold podcast. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Finn. Hey, no problem. It's a busy time for you and Haven and part of the reason why we wanted you on the show right now. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute, but first, can you just tell everyone a bit about you, your backstory, personally and professionally, what's kind of led to get you to where you are today? Yeah. Um, so I got started kind of in like the entrepreneurship world by running a event for the first four years of kind of my real job life, I guess. Um, and that kind of got me the, uh, the itch for starting my own company. And so I started a few things here and there, some smaller things and knew that I would eventually end up in in running my own company. And um, so that's kind of like the quick and dirty on the business side. Um, and then started Haven, had the idea back in like 2016 or so, and have no business or, or understanding of how to manufacture a physical good. But we just started figuring it out and we we're like, there could be something better. And um, if, yeah, got to our first product and pre-sold it and just have kind of scrapped our way along this this whole journey and uh, ended up where we're at now. So I'm, I'm sure we'll get into all the details, but that's like the high level overview of of like how we ended up in business. Um, me personally, like have been in fitness since I was 15, started working out. My older brother was into it. And so naturally I was like, oh, I want to be like my older brother, and uh, who's now one of my co-founders. And um, did some like kind of classic bodybuilding style and then got into college and got more serious about it and put on a lot of weight and, um, tried to get really strong. And then I played a bunch of different sports and kind of never really found like a, um, something that I was like either particularly really good at, or just like loved and only, you know, I was like, I want to dedicate my life to basketball or something like that. Like I grew up in small town, Midwest, um, 
United States. And so not a ton of opportunity, kind of like the classic sports options. And I played all of them and didn't, I was like, you know, okay, it's some, terrible at some baseball, uh, and, and got into weightlifting, really enjoyed it. And then eventually started getting into CrossFit and I was like, oh, this feels, this feels like my thing. Like it's the constantly varied and the strength and the Metcons and just the mix and the gymnastics, the mix of everything was just like this, this feels like home to me. And so I've, I've been in love with it for about seven years um, dedicating all my fitness time to CrossFit. I was very excited to see on Danielle Brandon's Instagram story earlier on today, a certain brand pop up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I thought, oh shit, these guys are serious. Cause I, as soon as Danielle Brandon <laughs> posts something, you know, it's, things tend to happen and move quickly. She's sort of the sweetheart of CrossFit, or maybe she's not the sweetheart, the antagonist of CrossFit. Um, yeah. For anyone that's listening, she's one of the key influencers in the CrossFit space, but a fantastic competitor. So just tell me, how did that come about? <laughs> um, yeah. So we, uh, man, I don't even know what to share. We've kind of been keeping this all on lock, uh, so far, just, um, I'm a, we have our bags in a lot of pro athletes hands and unless they give us permission, we just don't choose to flaunt that. Um, like several top 10, um, athletes at the games and, uh, also a lot of other, uh, general athletes like, and actually this is one I can say, sorry, I'm going to bunny trail this, but, um, uh, Jimmy Nelson, the pitcher for the LA Dodgers <clears throat> just got our bag and he was, we were just chatting and he was like, man, I love this. And like, is there a discount? And I was like, why are you asking for a discount? But that's, you know, I get it. Um, and then I was just like, I mean, if, Hey, if you want to post something, like I'll send you a bag, which is generally kind of like my open offer to anyone with a, with influence, um, we're just not quite at that space to be like, yeah, like let's start a sponsorship deal with all of these athletes. Um, and so he ended up posting about it. And so now, you know, it's like public, so I don't mind sharing it, but there's a lot of other athletes who just love the product and are kind of waiting for some type of deal, um, which is totally respectable. Like I'm, I get that. Like you don't want to just be constantly posting photos of every brand that sends you something. And that's kind of where we've been at. Uh, with Danielle is <clears throat> we got her a product, um, ended up really digging it and has been using it for a while. And then we've just been kind of holding off on, on saying anything until we can formalize something. Fair enough. I feel like, yeah. especially in the CrossFit space, the people were so genuine, kind athletes, you know, um, you can, you can sort of send them something and generally they'll post it, but they are getting more savvy. And I think that's helped yeah. to, uh, Daniel Brandon's manager and, um, agent and uh yeah i've had a run in yeah. with them as well which is great mm -hmm. lovely people but rad oh they're the so lovely he's been on the podcast before uh the founder yeah. of the rad rad shoes and and we also have buttery bros but i think they're uh, probably mm -hmm. going to be somewhat a competition uh than anything else well not directly but indirectly possibly mm -hmm. um but yeah, yeah. I but mean, also it was cool to see like i wasn't expecting her to post anything so i was I was pretty excited. I took a screenshot and sent it to my founders. I was like, oh my gosh, she posted. <laughs> so, she's just like, legend. I know I'm trying to play it cool here, but like, no, I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, this is the coolest. I, I freaked out for you. I freaked yeah, out for you. you. When I saw it, I was like, oh shit, like this is awesome. And uh, yeah. I'm sure it will continue, man. I'm sure it will. I mean, mm. the bags themselves. So go on, just, just for the listeners who aren't aware, yeah. can you just describe the bags, what they do, why you brought mm -hmm. it to market and the problem that you're yeah. solving? 
Yeah. So Haven Athletic, we make organized gym bags for high performance athletes. And the the real thing, the problem that we came to is I was digging around in my bag for, I think, headphones back in like 2016. Couldn't find them, pulled everything out, emptied my bag out, pulled the plastic thing out of the bottom and found them. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like as athletes, we're, we're growing, we're changing, we're becoming better. And we're using a lot of tools, everything from percussion massagers to neuromuscular stimulators to air-powered recovery boots. I mean, we have all of these tools now, but the bag has stayed the same. And it was kind of the gap in the market that we saw where we were like, well, one, this is a problem and it sucks and we want to fix it. Um, I really enjoy being organized. Um, And then um, two, we were like, we have all of this gear and modern athletes have a lot more gear than they used to. And a lot of companies are working on uh, what I like to call just like the sexier options, you know, the Lulu lemon leggings or the high performance clothing or the technology or the software and bags are just tend to be an afterthought. Um, and you see that in a lot of companies that start up and then they out, they design their own products and then they outsource the bags to a company who designs them a bag, which might look really nice and might be made out of a good material, but ultimately it's just like every other bag out there. And that was where we saw that opportunity to say like, what if they were organized? Like just a very simple idea. Like what if we just put some dividers in it so you can separate your gear and find things a little easier? And then that kind of led us to several rounds of revisions and and to where we are now where it's it's a big compartment, a small compartment, and then a lot smaller compartments. And then a special compartment we call the shoe garage, which we love for your shoes. Um, and then just a few pockets. So there's a handful of bag companies that, um, you know, kind of claim organization in some way, shape or form. But again, they're all the same, uh, where the, if anything, they just add a lot of zippered pockets or you get like more of a tactical style bag and like not knocking them. Some people like them. I don't, I don't like to open like 14 zippered pockets wondering where the hell I put my knee sleeves. Um, and so that was another thing where we were like, let's like really, let's like think about this kind of like, uh, I hate to say it, but from first principles, um, or like lean startup or design thinking, you know, whatever you want to call it. But we're just like, let's talk to people and figure out what the problem is and then how to fix it appropriately rather than just taking something like off the rack or kind of like, Oh, this, this would fix it. Let's add more pockets. And it's like, that actually doesn't really fix it. Um, so we added this organization to make it really easy. And we started with a duffel, which I like to think of, especially the large duffel as like a toolbox. Like you open the lid, there's all your tools. They're easy to see. They're easy to access. They move you along in your workout. And a bag doesn't necessarily have to be the the coolest thing in your arsenal. Like, oh my God, have you seen my bag? It's amazing. Like some people feel that way. I feel that way personally. Um, but but at a at a baseline, it shouldn't be in the way of your workout, which is how we think about it. And if you've um, we get these emails every day um, highlighting that problem where you're, if you're missing a piece of gear or if you're digging through your bag trying to find it, especially if it's smaller, let's say it's like thumb tape or those little nub thumb wraps and it's like lost somewhere in your bag and you're about to do a lift and you know that if you hook grip without a wrap or tape, you split your nail or like your thumb ends up bleeding and then that ends up like it's such a small thing, but it trickles into so many other things. And so we get these emails from customers every day being like, I have anxiety and frustration digging through my bag, trying to find my gear, wondering if I lost something, not sure if I brought it, like all of these things. And we're like, it's a very simple, but very visceral problem that we're trying to solve. Yeah. One that doesn't know a hook grip is where you put the bar and, and you hold your own thumb essentially. And the first time I tried it personally, 
I thought it was the weirdest thing in the world. It was basically yeah. like using a cheese grater against your own thumb. It's like <laughs> incredibly yeah. painful. And I was like, I'm never going to get used to this, but you do. And then it becomes yeah, impossible not to have. Okay, that's yeah. cool. I think the way I reckon I want to take this episode is right now, mm-hmm. um, Haven are on Kickstarter. And um, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll dive into that as a kind of at the end of the episode. Um, and I'd quite cool. like to learn really a bit more about the process of moving into the DTC world and becoming an mm-hmm. entrepreneur and yeah. putting this all together and just mm-hmm. covering off some of the steps that you went through because, um, you know, it's one of those things that you're bringing a product to market and, and you're risking a lot by doing so. And, um, it's, I'd love to know the, the steps from ideation when you came up with it to the point where you committed and then what you did in between then branding, customer research, uh, manufacturing, all the way to the end, because I'm sure. How long did that take? So how long did it take to get here from that first idea? Yeah. So the first idea was 2016. Um, I sent my brother a calendar invite uh, called Beers and Bags. And we had like kind of <laughs> talked about it here and there. And we were just like, yo, let's have a beer and like figure out if we can make a bag. What, what does that even mean? Where do we even start? And so that was like the first I tell you what, if you send thing. a beers and bag email in the UK, you'd be straight away you'd be red flagged for that. I mean something completely different over here. Oh no, am I saying something <laughs> horrible to all of the listeners over there? Beers and bags is a most people's good idea of a Saturday night. Let's put it that way. Not mine, but oh, uh, no, no, I apologize. But, <laughs> I don't you don't need to yeah, apologize. Sean's clarify that's not what you meant, or maybe okay. it was. That's how you got the funding. No, not what it meant. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Beers okay. and Jim Duffels. There you go. Awesome. The right, so you sent your brother an email, and what? How did? What? What was the moment? Like, what, were you just pissed off? You're Jim. You're like, I've got to be a better solution to mm-hmm. just carrying around this rucksack. Like, what was that point? Yeah, that was um, the moment I was talking about earlier, where I lost my headphones and totally emptied my bag. I mean, literally standing in the gym, shaking my bag out, trying to find my headphones. I was like, this is stupid. Like, there should be something better. Okay, cool. So you did that and you got your brother on board. You're presumably mm-hmm. excited about it. You're launching a product mm-hmm. in a space that you love or potentially doing mm-hmm. so. So there's obviously motivation yeah. there and you know the space. What did you do next? Yeah, we just started Googling everything. How do you how do you make a physical good? How do you design a physical good? We started asking anyone and everyone every question we could think of, trying to figure it out. Um, and there was a handful of key moments. We had a friend who was working at a uh, footwear company who knew a designer. And so I was like, Hey, does he design products? Can I talk to him? He's like, yeah, for sure. And so he connected us to him. And so that led us to understanding that to make a product, you need a technical pack or what's called a tech pack, which is essentially the blueprints for making a physical good, which we had no idea what that was. And he sent us some examples and he's like, yeah, you should try to do this. And we're like, all right, cool. We need we need drawings of a product and we need little measurements everywhere. And then we need a, a a bill of materials to let the factory know like what we want it made out of. And we're like, we don't even know what that, like how to do any of this. And so it was kind of like, all right, well, we have one step forward, but now we have a hundred more questions. And so kept asking people for advice and like, all right, what's the next step? How do we get this designed? And then at some point we brought on one of my good friends as a founder, um, partly because he knew how to design um, and he came at things with a, a, a better lens as far as thinking through design than we did, um, even just from designing digital products. 
and helped us think through that initial design of the duffel. And at that, at that point in time, how committed were you in your head uh, to this concept? Or were you still, you treat it as I've had an idea and now I'm going to research whether it's viable and do some of the steps it's going to take to actually make this happen? Or were you pot committed at this point? It, no matter what you were doing this. Yeah, I think up until um, 2021. So this entire time we were like, let's just keep testing it. Let's like take the next step and let's see if we can do it. And if we hit a roadblock that at some point is just too much for whatever reason, we were willing to kind of let it go. Like we saw the opportunity, but also we there was limitations. Um, a big one being that like we we're bootstrapped, like we didn't have investors or funding from the beginning. And also it was a really hard idea to pitch to people that like most people that I asked talked to early on were just like, you're making a gym bag. Cool. Good luck with that, man. You know, it's just like, it's, it's kind of like an off weird thing. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like I've done the research. There's an opportunity. There's a gap. Um, and okay, so just we didn't, on yeah. that, sorry to interrupt. How do yeah. I identify the opportunity in the gap? Mm-hmm. How did we do that? Yeah. <clears throat> um, in general, just from like looking at the market and understanding like our struggles with like wanting something that was organized, we couldn't find anything else out there. Or there was maybe one to two, but they were like, um, um, in my opinion, kind of like sh- shopping network options, you know, like that television station where you like buy stuff on TV that's all filled with chintzy crap. Um <laughs> It was like that where you're like, oh, that's like a dumbass looking bag. Like it's like a suitcase hard sided. And you're like, take this to the gym. You're like, it's got wheels. Like, no, I'm not going to take that to the gym. You know, there was a lot of things like that where it's just like, "Ah, I see you're like trying to solve it. But it's just like it came out weird. And uh, so that was one thing. Um, And then um, customer research was another thing. So just talking to people, um, which is something that we know how to do. especially between my background in marketing and customer development and uh, my friend's background in like design and like uh, user centered design. And so how do you design a uh, survey that's non-biased to actually find out information? And so you talk to people and you're just like, Hey, what do you think of your gym bag? And it's like very open, like, tell me about your gym bag. And no person that we talked to was like, Oh my God, I love my gym bag. It's so great. Here's why everyone was like, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but like, there's no other option. And there's like, Oh, interesting. Tell me like, you know, is there anything good about it? Is there anything bad about it? All that type of stuff. So we had designed these, um, surveys that took anywhere from like 30 to 60 minutes and talked to like 30 to 50 people or so. We're like, all right, that's a pretty good sample. Uh, I feel like we have a pretty good understanding of this. I think we did a little bit more research here and there, just looking through like Instagram and social and like, are any people posting about this? Is it a visceral problem? And it's not quite as much as some other ones, um, other issues out there, but uh, enough that we were like, all right, this is something worth exploring. And then one of the last things we did too, was we checked in on some other bag companies uh, in the uh, gym bag space and looked them up on Amazon and then used some tools like Jungle Scout to kind of estimate their monthly sales. And we're like, okay, cool. Here's a bag company that is interesting. Uh, and they're they're probably doing a couple million dollars a year. And we're like, all right, cool. That's like a decently viable business. Like there, there seems to be a gap because their product sucks and they're still selling a lot of it. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
And I recently did the same to just add it. Well, actually, before I get into that, what you mentioned marketing, your background, what were you, where were you marketing? What were you doing? Um, yeah, so that was my degree was marketing and business administration. And then I got started in a bunch of social media stuff that was back in 2011 and it was really early. And, um, if anyone's <laughs> heard or listened to, to Gary Vaynerchuk, um, that was back when he was like, you got to use Facebook for business. And I was like, I think that makes sense. And no one else in my class did. And so I was kind of like the social media guy. Uh, and that's, <laughs> thanks Gary. That's kind of. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> back then it was more okay. Now it's not, not, I'm not that guy anymore. Just so everyone knows. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. So that's kind of how I got my start in like social media and marketing stuff. And then I ran this event for a while. And then after that, I did like some growth marketing stuff for some software tech startups here and there. Um, and always kind of anything I didn't do directly in marketing, uh, kind of came at it with a lens of marketing and user focused whatever development or promotion can you just talk us through like one yes the financial how are you financing all of this stuff in the early days um and then two what you think about market in general what research did you do around the health and fitness space do you think that's your total market do you think you'll move beyond that or is it too early to tell um yeah so on the finance side we just that was kind of one of the things that I was talking about earlier where it's like, um, if we hit a roadblock, then we're willing to kind of give this up. And that was like, Hey, if, if we all of a sudden need to pay out a ton of money to do this, like that, none of us have the means to do that. And there was one person we had talked to, um, in my hometown, uh, we're all originally from Nebraska, again, central Midwest United States. And there was one person in my front from my hometown who had been developing bags for actually like 20 years for all the big companies, Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. And I was like, perfect, let's talk to this person and she'll tell us how to make a bag. And um, it's very different making a bag at a small company that is a big company. And she was basically like, oh, you're going to need like 50 grand just to like set up the tooling. And then you're going to need another 50 to 100 grand just to run your first production. And she was telling us all these crazy things and all these numbers and putting all these barriers in front of us. And I was just like, yo, fuck you. (laughs) It's basically (laughs) how I felt inside. I was like, no, like we're going to figure it out. And there's a different way to figure it out. And you've got this like really old entrenched mindset. And also you're, you're a part of the fucking problem. Like, like people like you in any industry who are like, no, 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 no. You have to do it this way. Like dot, dot, dot. I'm like, that's bullshit. And that was one of the things that we fought against this whole time where it's just like, we can figure this out without doing it that way. And also like, we can't do it that way. So there's, it's either figure it out a different way or like give up and um, something we haven't done over the last seven years is give up. And so we just kept trying and uh, eventually we found someone to make it, which I mean, we could go real deep in that story, but like the short of it was like, we looked on Alibaba for people who made like a military style backpack and then tried to reach out to the factory. And we're like, well, if you make this kind of tough, sturdy backpack, maybe you can make what we want. Um, reached out to some other people, um, asked anyone and everyone again, kind of back to that, like just talking to, talking to people and asking like, do you have a connection? Do you know anyone who makes a product? Can you introduce us to them or their factory? Or um, And then eventually kind of caught a break with like a middle company who connects and manages factory relationships. And um, they helped us produce that first run and we've been working with them since. Um, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask about that experience and reaching out to Alibaba. I mean, most of the people that mm-hmm. listen to 
busy in established businesses and if they're not though if you're looking at a new brand i mean what 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 was the waste of time there what didn't work out for you reaching out directly yeah so we found out after the fact that a lot of companies are fronting as a factory but they're really like a marketing company and so you're not talking directly to the factory and so um, we had a lot of hope with one and they um it just took like six months to even get the first sample. And it was like this whole long process. And we were talking to some other people um, back to that initial connection at the friend's footwear company. And he's like, oh yeah, like most of the time you're not actually talking with the factory. And so I don't know, that was our experience. Maybe people have had different experiences, but uh, it just, I think we were talking to like 14 people or 14 factories on Alibaba and wherever else we found some connections and ultimately got like three samples out of that and one was good. So that was another thing we <clears throat> ran into and actually still run into. And it's something that is like really consistent. We found with factories is, um, and this isn't just to shit on them, but like they're always trying to find an easier way to make your product. And so they regularly push back on even this. We just ordered some and they're like, Hey, like we're going to change this. And I was like, no, you're not <laughs> like, uh, especially early on, everyone was like, well, we're just, we're just going to make it with Velcro. And I was like, no, that doesn't work. Like there are Velcro bags out there with dividers, camera bags, especially. And I'm like, it doesn't work in the gym context for the way that we were thinking about it because with Velcro and if you have gym clothing are often made out of like nylon or Lycra or spandex and that snags really easy. So if you have Velcro all over your bag from these dividers and then you've got this soft snaggable material and then you've got chalky material, dirty things. You've got your protein shake. And then like all of a sudden Velcro becomes a very inadequate solution for what we're trying to do. And so that's why we're like, no, they need to be sewn in. And also you're dealing with athletes who are just like throwing their shit into the bag. And so kind of the way we thought about it was if you have Velcro everywhere and you're like also shoving a pair of Olympic lifters in your bag somewhere, at some point that Velcro is probably going to come undone. And then again, back to like that first principle thinking like, now we're not solving the problem anymore. Like we sort of solved it, but then if it comes apart, the the solve isn't there. Yeah, yeah. And I have had experience with an Amazon based camera bag, uh, mm. which is Velcro, and it's exactly that problem. And I yeah. opened it now. It's actually worse than just a bag <laughs> with no dividers because um, everything is now compartmentalized randomly. So it's actually yeah. more difficult. So thank you for doing that. So how so how does you manage that with the factory then? The factory just be I get it from their side, trying to make it as efficient as possible and and you know, but really it's quite obnoxious to sort of tell someone how to manufacture a product, especially when going back to your tech, you've probably spent a lot of time detailing exactly how it needs to be done. So what do you do? Do you just email them back and you're like, no? Like how do you even resolve that or begin to resolve that? Yeah, that's it. We just emailed them back like, no, like, no, it has to be this way. And we're like, there has to be a way to figure this out. And the the hardest problem is most bags are sewn inside out and then they flip them right side in and then they ship them. And that's why bags are really easy to make. Like a Nike duffel bag literally costs like $5 at the factory to make. Um, and ours is really difficult because we wanted structure. That was one of the big things we wanted to solve. We were like, it needs to be organized and then it needs to like stand up on its own and be really easy to like look into it and see all your gear. So it needs some form of a structure. So we're using this foam material and not the normal foam material. It's a very special and ridiculously expensive foam material, which is partly why our product is so expensive um, because it doesn't slump over time. We tried the normal foam and after six months, the bag just kind of slowly started slumping and we're like, well, that's not a solution then. 
And so we started using this super premium foam. And the problem is you have a hard structure, which you can't sew inside out. And so they're like, well, this is really hard to figure out. And most factories just don't want to put the effort into it. They don't think it's worth it. Um, and so we've had some who basically just like believed in our idea and were willing to kind of take a bet on us. And that's actually been a really consistent thing with a lot of different people that we've talked to is kind of willing to work with us a little sooner than we're kind of ready or are able to afford or whatever, which is really cool. Um, <clears throat> but we worked with uh, a couple of factories on the um, manufacturing where we just kept pushing back and we're like, well, it has to be this way. Otherwise it's not the solution we need. So if you can't do it, that's fine. We'll just find someone else. And had, we just, had you already was, paid them at that point? Sorry to interrupt. Have you, had you already mm-hmm. paid them at that point? Nothing. Nope. Nope. So they'd started to, to try and correct. What were they correct? Just one sample at this point. Yeah. Uh, it took nearly a year to get one good sample. We got but a couple of non good samples. What's they're that? Just, they're just doing this on good faith at this point. Uh, yeah, when they were about to ship it, I think we paid for shipping. Um, but we were kind of saying like, Hey, we're, we may have, (laughs) I'm trying to think back. We may have, uh, fibbed a little bit and said like, (laughs) we've got an order with Dick's sporting goods and like, we've got this, we're going to produce the the greatest bag ever. Like, you know, at some point, I think I read that you've got to tell them something like that. And so that's what I did. Um, and we ended up getting like a pretty good sample from one where they actually sewed the dividers in and we were like, holy crap, we think this might be possible. Like they did it, but also like getting a sample made from like uh, a sample room where you're dealing with kind of the best people at the factory to like figure out how to make a product versus mass manufacturing in the actual factory is also a very different thing because they can make it and they're like, yeah, that was great. It took us, you know, three days they're like that doesn't work at scale. We can't spend three days making your product. We need to like bust it out. Uh, but yeah, a lot of them we just kept we just kept pushing back and we're like it's either this solution or not. And like if it costs us ten thousand dollars, it's we can't do it. And if you can't make it this way, then we can't do it. But eventually, someone was like, yeah, okay, we can make it. You know, pay us hundred bucks for the shipping, whatever. We trust that you have this big order coming, um, and and we'll figure it out from there. And then once we got connected to this um, group that um does kind of the the connections between the factories and helps you manage stuff uh it it got a lot easier because they're like okay yeah we we believe in what you're doing we we can help you take it there and produce this first run and here's how it works and all of that is that group stateside yeah they're stateside um and side note happy to make introductions to anyone and everyone for you as so their their business model is They've gone through the hard yards of working with certain factories. They've whittled those factories down to sort of the premium quality ones. Really take the time, and and you go and what? What's their model with you? Do they take a cut of your order? Like how do they get paid? Yeah, um, and early on, it starts somewhere around like ten percent of your order. Um, so if you're paying the factory fifty grand, they'll take five grand off of that, um, or they'll add five grand to it. And then um, as you get bigger, <clears throat> you know, as you order like a million dollars worth of product, they're going to lower that percentage and eventually get down to like, you know, maybe 4%. And this are company works with... Are you contractually tied in with them for a certain period of time now? Uh, n- surprisingly, no. And I still am confused why there's not a contract there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't question it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't brought it up to him. I'm like, hey, you know, shouldn't you have me under contract? Um 
No, they've, they've been really chill to work with. Um, and they work with some of the, I think this is probably wise because like we're just a, a little small fish right now for them because they work with one of the largest camera bag manufacturers um, producing just like a hundred million dollars of product a year. So, I mean, they're, I think they're doing pretty good. And and how did you find these people? Sorry, if you've already said, but how did you actually get in contact with them? No. Um, how did I find them? Through a connection of a connection. And this was back in 2019. Someone connected us to them and I was just like, hey, what do you do? And he's like, yeah, we help people make products. And I'm like, I mean, that's exactly what we need. And he's like, cool. Uh, we just don't have the space to like help you guys right now. And so that was the initial conversation. I was like, shoot. And I'm like, well, at least we know someone. Like maybe if we're big enough someday, we can work with them. And um, and then we talked or I think he might have called me back later either that day or, or maybe the next week. Or maybe I reached out with another question. And then... Uh, I don't know if he was overcome with uh, pity or <laughs> or just kindness. Uh, and he's just like, hey, you know what? I think we can help you figure this out. And so that's when we started working with them. Awesome. So um, so this point, then, just summarizing everything. So have you done your branding already at this point? Great question. Um, yeah, I think we knew the name at that point and hadn't put a ton into branding because again, we were just holding things so loosely. We're like, we don't even know like if we get to it and we're going to have to pay someone 50K up front, it's dead. So we didn't want to put too much effort into too many things. So we did it a little bit non-traditional, which I don't know, I feel like is kind of the typical bootstrapper way. Like if you can raise some money and you can do the branding and you can get some of your ducks in a row before, highly recommend that. Also, I would highly recommend find a celebrity to start a product with. Like all the the best, fastest growing brands are kind of doing that right now. And it's it's a genius play if you can make it work, like kind of rising together. And um, we uh, didn't have that opportunity and we didn't do that. And so uh, just kind of have slowly built things more and more over time. Yeah. And so when you've got that sample back, mm -hmm. how did you then, because you have produced a number of bags and you sell a number of bags, right? So how did you then go to back to this factory? You're expecting you to dump an order for 100,000 units and say, hey, we need uh, 100 units or whatever it was in that in that sort of order. Yeah. So our first pre-sale was 2020. And <clears throat> it was just the next step in in a long line of things that we were doing to test the market. So we had, you know, developed it. We had talked to people. People said they would want it. People said they would buy it. And then we're like, all right, cool. Like, will you actually put your money behind it though? Because um, it's going to be expensive. And so initially we listed it at like one hundred and fifty dollars. We're like, man, that's expensive. Turns out it's not expensive. Uh, <laughs> and so we're like, but will people pay for it? And will people wait for it? Let's pre-sell it and say like, hey, we know how to develop this. It's going to take us around six months or so. Um, we didn't want to do a Kickstarter because we had no email list. We had no clout. We had no connections. And you know, Kickstarter back in the day was like, draw something on a napkin and raise money for it. That's cool. And now it's, it's a full-blown channel. You have to do it right um, if you want any form of success on there. And uh, so we did the pre-sale 2020, and then we started manufacturing. And uh, we just wanted to make sure that people would pay money, uh, a decent amount of money for a bag like this. And we did, we had like 60 people buy the bag. And so we ordered a hundred units, which is not a minimum order quantity that most factories will take. And so 
we did what they call a sales and marketing sample, which is when you're making a product and you need some early to send to press or to influencers or to athletes or to whoever you're working with, um, you basically pay t- two times the factory price and they'll send you these units or early. And so we took a loss on all of those units because uh, two times at the factory price was <clears throat> not sustainable after like shipping and all that stuff. But we got them in, we delivered them to people, people loved them, people posted about them. And then we're like, holy crap, this is working. And at that point, it was like the buy-in was starting to become a lot more real. It was still like, hey, if if we reach a barrier that's just impossible, like, like what are we going to do? But let's keep trying. And we didn't reach any sort of barrier that was that was so insurmountable. And so um, 2020. And so we started working on a smaller design. Um, so we have the large bag and the small bag. And we we're like, let's gear up for another pre-sale in 2021. And that's kind of how we started going about it. And then those, you know, we can get more into that story, but that's uh, it really started its takeoff from 2021 on. I just want to focus in on a particular area of that, which is when you mm-hmm. had the sample i was it one unit literally one unit that they sent over very at the very beginning yeah the very first sample we got was one unit yeah and then i think they charged us i don't even know if they charged us to make the unit because we were kind of basically promising that we would order and so once you're down the road and you're ordering regularly you don't get charged for samples we still have to pay for shipping which is annoying but um, they don't charge us to make the samples because they're like, okay, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna spend you know fifty hundred, whatever five hundred a million dollars with us. Like we we can put the effort and the work into building this for you now. Yeah. Did you use that initial sample to create your marketing material? Your pre-launch. Yeah, took photos of it. Um, also went back and did a lot of customer validation. So all the people that we had been talking to, we were like, hey, we made this product. What do you think? What should we fix? Is it actually solving the problem? Do we need to adjust anything? Is there anything that we missed? And there was mostly good, but there was maybe a few small things here and there that we like kind of tweaked and got one more. I think we maybe have got one more sample after that before we actually launched the pre-sale. And were they like friends and family? This sort of as much as possible. No, Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of relates back to creating um, a non-biased survey and getting non-biased information from the market. Because if you're talking to friends and family for the majority of times, they're going to tell you nice things because they like you and they don't want to be like, Hey, Caleb, this is a dumbass idea and you shouldn't do it because you're going to waste tons of money and it sucks. Um, and what you really want is you want people to tell you that you should actively search for people to tell you your idea is stupid and it sucks and you should quit. That would be great. That would make your job so much easier because then you know, you shouldn't make that thing. And no one told us that. I mean, there were some people who were like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really, I don't, I don't know if I would use it, but I, I like it. And we're like, okay, that's nice. Kind. Thank you. Whatever. Keep going. Um, but no one ever told us that it was really awful, but, uh, that's, that's an ideal thing to look for. And you want to build questions into your survey as well that help you source that information. And that's why it's like, Hey, you know, what, very unbiased, like, what do you think of your bag? Are you going to tell us good things or bad things? And then what good things do you like about it? And then what bad things do you like about it? And then once you have a sample, you ask the exact same questions like, oh, what what are good things about this bag that you think? Oh, what are, is there anything that's kind of weird? And then you ask that question like 14 different ways to try to really pull that information out of people. 
Nice. So we are at the point where you've got your unit, you've done some done some research, you've built a site and you've put some marketing material up there. How much have you spent, do you think, including your time, monetary? How much have you spent up until this point, roughly? Um, in 2020, to get to our first pre-sale, we might have spent $1,000. Holy shit. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it took a lot of time and we were just really scrappy and we just kind of kept, anytime we came up to that barrier, we're just like, how do we get around this? How do we do it a different, a different way? And then we just explored every option. So when I say it took us a year to find a factory, it took a year of meeting every week and putting time into it to try to find a factory. Yeah. Did you, did you ever look outside of China of interest? Uh, so we actually manufacture in Vietnam, uh, okay. which is um, surprisingly like a, a bag haven, not to mm-hmm. make a pun on our name, but it's a it's a place where th- a lot of bags are made uh, yeah. and they make really high quality bags. So that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you, you touched on the price point earlier on and uh, it mm-hmm. is certainly in the upper echelons of uh, what people would expect for a bag. But I think from your perspective, you've got that uh, longevity uh, aspect going for it. I mean, that looks like a bag that's going to last for years. Months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so your price per workout, for example, is going to be very low. Um, but also you've got the aspect of sort of time saving. I spend, I work out most days and, uh, I spend a hell of a lot of time each morning packing my bag. Uh, and mm-hmm. I've, uh, just one of those, I can't wait to upgrade to uh, to a haven, but I have I can see it in front of me. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. You know, it looks like one of those. It is a crossfit, and I've got all the patches on the front. Proper CrossFit groupie, um, mm-hmm. but it is just a big hole. That's what it is. It's a yeah. nightmare, and uh, there's no compartments. And even today, I picked up my fiance's uh, delivery and um, had to put it in the bag. And both sides had sweaty stuff and a wet. And I know she's going to shout at me when I get home and new clothes. Yeah, wet and stinks. <laughs> Um, my response will be, don't ask me to pick it up, but, uh, yeah, she won't, she won't, uh, that. so there are problems with it. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, you're, you're addressing a deeper issue as well, which is organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. uh, all leads to more efficient workouts, more efficient workouts leads to quicker, quicker access to your end goal, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, I, I love everything about it. So let's fast forward then to kickstarter because you're currently mm-hmm. active on kickstarter um mm-hmm. let us know why and i uh, why you want the kickstarter route what you're hoping to achieve from the kickstarter and mm. uh just give us a bit of a backstory as to yeah how you've ended up here and what you hope to do on kickstarter yeah uh so we have pre-sold through 20 2021 and 2022 just on our website um and anytime we were pre-selling, we were just trying to be as clear as possible, which is still kind of wild to me that it worked where it's like, here's a product, it's, you know, 150 and then it was 200 and then it was $250 uh, US dollars. And we were just listing it and then being very clear, like this is a pre-order. It's not delivering for six plus months. Um, we'll keep you up to date. Uh, we've done this before. And then the first email they would get would be the order confirmation and be like, hey, thanks for buying. Uh, just to clarify, this is a pre-sale. You're not getting the product right away. Here's the timeline. Here's what to expect from us. 
Uh, and then as soon as we had information, we would start emailing people. And sometimes we were kind of delayed on that. And sometimes we weren't, but, um, yeah, over the last several years, we've just sold like hundreds of thousands of dollars of bags. And we're like, that's really cool. Um, no one knows that. And that's one of the biggest benefits to Kickstarter is like, it's all very public. Um, unless you're following me on Twitter, I'm generally pretty open about like our sales and like what's happening. Um, but Twitter is a very like public place to be like, look, like lots of people gave us lots of money and that's cool. And we haven't gotten a ton of press outside of, you know, the morning chalk up and a few podcasts here and there and no, no like big names or anything. So like that could be something to help kind of bolster that. Um, and the, yeah, I think the big thing was like, let's, let's make this one a little bit more public and then let's try to really drive it um, forward and get a lot of pledges and get a lot of cash flowing through there to show it as kind of like a, a larger public success, I guess. It's kind of how I'm we so thought about it. I'm just going to again, because I did have a question that I forgot to ask yeah. and you just Jump reminded in. me of it. So, so you were pre-selling these bags on your website. So hang on. Mm-hmm. So just, just to summarize, you, you've got a, a <laughs> sample for a thousand dollars, which is yeah. mental. And then, and now yeah. <laughs> not, not happy with that. You're then selling it to customers saying, do you know what? But you can't have it for six months. You're going to have to buy it now though. I know you've never these and people are buying it. So my first question is, where are these unicorn customers? Because <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> you seem to be the only one that can find these people. Um, and yeah. yeah, so one, how did you, how did you, were you advertising to them? Like where, who are these hmm. people? How did you find these people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I made a deal with the devil, to be honest. <laughs> my soul is... Locked up. No, um, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, the very first presale, uh, I think we had like posted some stuff on Instagram and captured a couple of emails and then just kind of went about it organically, I think. And then in 2021, when we started the second presale, I was like, let's try Facebook ads. And I spent like $250 and because we were so bootstrapped, that was like a large amount of money for us. Like ah, two hundred and fifty. Are are we all in on this, guys? <laughs> um, and so we spent two hundred and fifty, and it came back great. It worked for us. We're like, ah, shit. Like people bought the bag. Like this is great. We made money. And um, I talked to a friend who had a successful company. I was like, what do we do next? And he's like, what if you just spend some more? And I was like, that's pretty genius, man. <laughs> and so <laughs> we up. spent five hundred dollars. Yeah. And it worked and that was great. And, who, who are you uh, targeting though? Who, who are you targeting? Like, did you have a funnel? Did you have landing pages set up? Like what, you know, we're talking tactical no. DTC, we're talking about minute changes, A-B testing, multivariant testing, multiple landing pages, personalization, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're, t- you're telling me you chuck 250 quid in the machine and you get some sales, you know, it's all good. Yeah, like, that's what, what, pretty much what we did. Uh, I took a course from, um, there's a big agency called Common Thread Co in yes. the DCC world. Fantastic. <clears throat> and they, yes, great and great people. And I'd been following them thanks to Twitter and uh, took their course through, I think it's called Admission and took their course on how to run ads. And then I just followed everything that they said what to do. So there was some like um, narrowing down and some targeting, but also a lot of it um, that was in, you know, 21, a couple of years ago, which it changes wildly. Um, but I think some of that's still the same where it was just kind of like, Hey, set up these things, but mostly like let Facebook do what Facebook does. It kind of knows how to get it to the right people who will purchase, especially once you get one or two. And so it wasn't super hard. Also, that was, <laughs> you're going to get a kick out of this one, one ad 
one photo and we ran the shit out of that. Like I spent, I think like $150,000 in ads on this one photo ad. And it was a very simple ad. It was a picture of a messy bag on the left side and our bag on the right side. And it said, your bag, our bag. And we just spent and we got like five to 10 X ROAS on that for like a year and a half. Holy shit. Yeah. Static image, wild. right? Just a static image. Just a static image. Yep. <laughs> One image. Didn't, I think I changed the copy a, a couple of times. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, that's kind of how we found people and then just communicated really clearly about what it was. And, uh, and I think that was kind of like, you know, again, thinking about things in stepwise and like, all right, you know, well, let's do this. Is it going to work? Let's do this. Is it going to work? That was kind of the next thing. It was like, all right, let's start ads. Like, will people buy it? Because if not, we don't know what to do. Um, and then people did and we're like, all right, are we actually earning a, a proper return on it? Like, then we are. Okay, that's great. And are people willing to wait for it? They are. Holy crap. Like, okay, that's another signal to us that like people are willing to wait six plus months and pay $200 for a gym bag. Feel I get pretty it. damn good about the problem we're solving right now. For sure. I get it. I 100% get it. And um, yeah, I think, uh, do you know what I think as well? I think the people in fitness... I don't know if this is correct, just hypothesis, but people in fitness tend to have uh, less bad habits, bit of a generalization, but less bad habits. So for example, I don't drink. I don't really go out. Um, if you looked at my life on paper, you'd think I'm very boring. Um, <laughs> but but as a result of that, the things that I do enjoy, like working out, all disposable income, mm-hmm. that's where I spend it. And um mm-hmm. And I'm very logical and I think a lot of us are. And, and what that means is that this sort of thing really resonates with me. I really get it. Um, mm-hmm. Just an easy, yeah. it's an easy thing to understand. It's an easy thing to to buy. Um, being in your shoes, like if I put myself in your, in your shoes, shoes for a moment, I don't know if I'd have got to where you were just based purely on the fact that I think I would have shut myself down because I'm like, I, I would do questions in my head. Has someone done this before? Is it too difficult? Is it, are you stuck at it for years? And I think mm. fair play to you because sometimes, um, yeah, that's what it takes to, to do something like this. So on paper, then you sound like an investor's dream. Possibly, <laughs> you know, realistically looking at your numbers, looking at how you've done. Could things. you say that one more time for all the <laughs> investors out there? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, there's that, but then I just the Kickstarter's funded, right? I saw that, and I, and I think it's the beginning for you guys. I, I truly mm. believe that it's going to go. Um, you know, much further than it is right now already. Um, but why did you did you try for private investment? Did you did you look at that as a route versus um, Kickstarter? Uh, we looked at it early on. I think I've looked at it two or three times, and we have a handful of angels who've kind of offered to invest and um, didn't have any institutional. And we got to a few points where we're like, this could do something, but we don't know if it's enough to actually make it worth it. So like maybe we just keep bootstrapping. And then earlier this summer, we were able to get a small business association loan from a a local bank in our hometown that was actually like pretty significant. Um, It was like $300,000. And we were like, all right, that's like, you know, do we, it's kind of that constant question of like, do we want to give up equity is now the right time to do it? Do we have the right partners to do it? Which I'm not opposed to giving up equity. I'm not opposed to raising money, um, but I want to do it in the best way possible with the right people in the room. And so it just kind of never was the right time, whether it was we're pretty early and it's tough for anyone to like kind of understand the vision here. And some businesses 
Um, and some people and some kind of situations, you just have to show versus tell. And that's where we were at. We needed to show people like, Hey, look, this is a very viable business. Um, it is really interesting. It is a very passionate group of people where we're starting. Um, and there's something there. And then beyond that, uh, kind of going back to your question earlier about like total addressable market and like where we're going and what we're doing, you, you basically outlined the whole thing. And so like we started with CrossFit, but we started saying like high performance athletes because that's really our target market right now and is consistently um, reinforced when we get messages from like the, you know, the pitcher from the LA Dodgers, or we just got a message from someone on the USA bobsled team. Um, and then we've talked to anyone and everyone. We have MMA fighters in our DMs. We have boxers, we have um, uh, wrestlers, we have pro volleyball players, um, pro soccer players. Um, we have a skydiver in Australia who paid a friend in America to mail it to him. And this person spent like $400 total. Yeah. Just like crazy stuff like this. And we're like, high performance athletes get it. Like exactly what you were saying. Like you spend most of your disposable income on thoughtful products to help you in your fitness journey. Um, and so that's kind of like our current target market, which is huge. Like in the fitness space, the, the duffel bag is a billion dollar a year industry. The backpacks are a $34 billion a year industry. But then when you go beyond that, um, the, the big long-term goal here is like, you think about people like Marie Kondo who pioneered the KonMari method of, you know, organization and at home stuff. And you think about the container store, you know, they're selling an entire store's worth of options to organize your, your entire life. And it's not just like a, you know, a cute little like gym bag idea. It's like, no, no, no. People are passionate about organization and to a point where like people will be like, oh, I have OCD. And like most people don't have OCD. Um, but like you really enjoy organization. It brings a, a level of satisfaction to your life through your gym or through whatever else you're doing. And that's kind of where we see this going is like we already have people using it specifically for travel. We have all of these athletes in all of these industries who are using it. And then we have people who generally when they buy it will send us an email or we'll, we'll be chatting with them and like, yeah, I got it for the gym. By the way, have you considered making it for this? And this is like the other thing in their life that they would love an organized bag solution. And so initially we we're like, I don't know, do we get into like, you know, athletic, athletic wear and athleisure and like clothing and we build this brand around that. And more and more, we see the opportunity to continue doing what we're doing with unique carry solutions to basically every other industry. Yeah. I think that's, that's, you know, personally, I, I have no, uh, no, to give you any advice but that is where i would you know that that's what i would say based on going back to the things that i did with aesthetics what i realized mm -hmm. was yourself to crossfit would have allowed me to have a very small business be quite mm -hmm. a pain in the ass to run um but like you said take the problem that you're solving in in other industries which i think you can absolutely do military application as well there's a good military application here yeah um you know and uh and and that's Suddenly, a massive, massive thing you're doing. You know, Ridge Wallets, that's where they started. Now, diversifying watches and rings mm -hmm. and all kinds of different things. And, you know, like they, they, they want to be like a, you know, a connection, I guess, for small objects. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's dope. <laughs> yeah. That that's is cool. Dope. So that's where um, we're going to. So we haven't raised yet. We, um, we kind of are regularly talking to a handful of people um, and actually uh, have someone very interesting that we're talking to right now. So that could be something that is on the short-term horizon for us. Uh, again, it's like if the right people are in the room, like if it's going to be institutional, who's the person who's leading it? And there's 
a very short list of people that I'm interested in doing that. And if it's an angel round, like, I don't know if you follow the guys from Obvi Protein, but they just did like an all angel round, which is talk to Ron about that. It was really interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens here in the next couple of months. We had Ron on a couple of episodes back. The audio quality was okay. very good. That was my fault. Uh, very good and interesting conversation on it and exactly those things. Um, yeah. Matt Fraser, he's got a lot of time on his hands. Yeah. He's got a lot of money to get him on board. <laughs> oh, Matt, man. are you listening? Yeah, Matt. Let's <laughs> do something. Fuck's sake. I met him uh, recently, actually, when he was over in the UK. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, yeah. had a good chin with him and Sammy. And uh, O'Keefe. Um, yes. Dudes. And uh, or, or Bridges. Bridges a great fit for this ex-military josh bridges yeah no, no longer competing yeah. but as a huge audience um mm-hmm. i'm gonna try and work him out on the show that's awesome so data what are you gonna do with the money and, uh, it's more of a publicity thing is it at this point rather than uh, actually needing needing the cash or are you just sort of hopeful that it might go into sort of triple figures uh raising raising cash right now yeah yeah, if we raise, it would be for the purpose of growth. So like I'm still currently the only full-time person here at Haven. And then it's my two co-founders who have full-time jobs and help where they can. And um, that's only so sustainable. And you kind of see that, you know, if you really look into some of our business and some of the things that are kind of like, maybe like not quite as good as they could be, but like across the board, it's because there's one full-time person here. And so that's the way we kind of think about it is... <clears throat> uh, being able to hire up, being able to bring on my co-founders full-time, hire a couple more product people, um, hire some marketing people, and then like really dig into all of those channels and start improving them and start growing. Um, and then there's a handful of partnerships on the table right now. Um, as we kind of gain more traction, a lot of people take interest in that and they're like, Hey, how do we work something out? So like Iron Man is like a big one that we've been talking to where they're like, yeah, it'd be cool to like start. But then ultimately like our, the bags that we have, like generally kind of suck. Like what if you guys did something with us? I'm like, yeah, that would, (laughs) we should do that. And then there's a couple other really, really big ones, uh, that I can't, I would really like to say things about, but I can't say anything about, but I might be able to say things about very soon. Um, that would be, you know, uh, as close to a silver bullet as you can get to when it comes to like partnerships and business. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for the future, uh, for what we're doing and the people we're talking to. It should work. We took a lot of inspiration from, uh, peak design who've obviously done like a ton of Kickstarters for their camera bags and camera gear. And then also a company called Western rise. They make menswear, activewear, uh, business wear, um, which if you haven't had them on the pod, they would be, they would be great. Like huge shout out to them. They actually helped me a lot with the Kickstarter. They, um, yeah, asked a lot of questions and they were really kind and gracious to give me some things to help us along and figuring out how to put it together. Um, but then we just like looked at those pages and we're like, how do we, these are successful companies and successful Kickstarter campaigns. How do we kind of rinse and repeat what they've done? And so that's, that's kind of how we went about it. Yeah, it's been incredible. And where can people reach out to you? Where can people find out about this Kickstarter campaign if they want to get involved and uh, just give us some general information on the business? Yeah, havenathletic.com and generally Haven Athletic, I think on most um, social media, we're the most active on our Instagram. um, And you can find me, Caleb Ulf, U-L-F, on most uh, social as well. Uh, if you're working on a product, if you're working on talking to customers or designing things and you have questions, like I love nerding out about all of this stuff. So 
Um, and I mean, yeah, we've been at it for six, seven years now and we've figured some things out and we're still trying to figure a lot out. So if there's any way I can help, um, and if you have a lot of money and you just really want to give it to us, that's cool too. We'll talk to you. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I should plug our black Friday deal too, is, um, we did a collaboration with 13 other brands to add about $180 of gear into our large duffel. Uh, it'll be the same price as it always is, except it's got tons of gear from all these great companies that in the CrossFit world, uh, that we work with along with just like a bunch of like bonus stuff uh including upwards of like a 500 dollars gift card so we're just trying to really blow it out uh, how do you get that (laughs) yeah so uh there's there's 200 bags that will be stuffed with gear 50 of the bags will have special items like a free jump rope from rx smart gear or um a free pair of victory grips or stuff like that and then one bag will have a gift card for 500 dollars in it uh and that'll be like just a straight up visa gift card no idea. No, I told my factory or not my factory, my, um, warehouse. I was just like, Hey, here's all the bags. And then here's like the special items, just drop them in as they get ordered. So I have no idea who's going to get what. So you use Shopify, do you back up your store? Um, that's a great question in some way, shape or form. Yes. We, <laughs> this is a hard lightning question. <laughs> We actually uh, design our website on Webflow, and then we use this tool called Udesly to export it into a theme onto Shopify. So indirectly, we have a backup of our store. It's complicated, but I get it. Webflow is a good tool. Mm-hmm. Um, the sponsor yeah. of Ecom Gold, the primary sponsor of Ecom Gold, is Rewind. So uh, I would recommend installing Rewind. And for anyone else that's not back, okay, please do install it. It gives you an undo button, basically. I like it. Favorite... Fran. Three movements, 2115.9, box jump overs. Weirdly, uh, that's exactly what I did this morning. Carry on. (laughs) See if you can get get all three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bar muscle ups. (laughs) You didn't have those. (laughs) You didn't have those. Okay. Um, And then, man, what would be the other one? What do I like doing? Probably uh, um, hang power snatches at 95. We'll go lightweight. Lightweight? Jesus Christ, make me feel bad. Have you been to the CrossFit Games? And then the second part, the final question, who do you who would you back for the 2023 CrossFit Games men and women's individual? Uh, yes, been to the games. La- this year was our first year, uh, my first year ever going, which I wish I would have gone a lot sooner. turns out like, I don't watch necessarily like a ton of sports. Like I don't know a lot of, you know, I don't know. I'm just not super into, uh, watching a lot of sports. I like to go live. That's way more fun. Uh, but turns out I love watching fitness, like CrossFit. I just like, it's so much fun. Um, and so going this year was a blast. We had a booth there, which was also really fun. So we just got to meet a bunch of people. Um, so first year we'll definitely be going back and, uh, we'll, I will personally be at Waterpalooza. I don't know if we'll actually have a sponsorship there yet. We're kind of figuring some things out. Um, who would I back for 2023, uh, on the women's side, it's Mal O'Brien, huge fan, uh, been following her uh, through her come up and it's just I mean, I think it's probably a little bit related to like Haven and me in general, like the underdog is usually someone who I'm kind of like voting for. And so like, I love Tia, like she is a blast to watch. She's an incredible human and an athlete. And I'm always like, yes, 
you should win. You're great. I love this. But I also love seeing kind of the the regime get shifted or just like someone being upended. And so like seeing this young person like Mal O'Brien come up and just be like, holy shit, what is happening is really fun. It makes for great CrossFit watching. I love it. And uh, I can't wait to follow this journey. Thank you so much for you, you know, giving us the time. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Finn. This, is, uh, this was a lot of fun and would love to stay in touch. The fact that you're still here at the end of this episode tells me that one, you must have enjoyed it. And two, you're probably as big of an e-commerce geek as I am. Thank you for sticking around. And I just want to give a special thanks to Rewind, Clearco and Vixer for sponsoring this episode. You can find more information and the offers that are associated with those companies in the show notes below. Please also, if you haven't already, go to ecom.gold and subscribe to Gold Club. You'll get alerts about upcoming episodes. You'll get extra content like playbooks from each of the people and guests that we have on the show. And you'll also get access to some of the exclusive content that we have coming up. And finally, do share the show with your friends. Give us a review. Uh, It really helps us to build our audience. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take it easy and uh, we'll see you next time.